The man who refuses to quit cannot be stopped. My name's Shawn Michael Crane. Welcome to the Unstoppable Mindset Podcast. ever just completely let go of your fears, your limitations? Have you ever just let go of the what ifs? You know, the what ifs, it doesn't go right. What if people don't like me? What will they think if I make this decision? Have you ever just let go of all that and just lived all in, full out every day? It's the most liberating, exhilarating experience you'll ever have in your life. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Mindset Podcast. My name is Shawn Michael Crane, your host. Thank you for being here today. So the last time I spoke about my time in prison, I ended before I shared with you what it was like getting out of prison. Most people think that getting out of prison is probably the best day of your life. You can imagine being locked up in a jail cell, missing your family, going through that pain and that torture every day, fighting the internal battle. You know, for me, the whole time in prison... I thought about what that day would be like. I had this vision in my mind of what it was going to be like to get out of prison and to get my second chance. And that's what was driving me every single day. That's what I thought about every morning when I opened my eyes. That's what was motivating me to get out of bed, to work out, to educate myself, and to continue to maintain that positive mindset and those positive spirits within. Then the day finally came. And I'll never forget this day, man. Over 2,000 days incarcerated, and here it was, the day that I was getting out of prison. My brother and sister were coming to pick me up. We had it all planned out. We were going to go to Huntington Beach. And I just knew that this was my second chance, and I was ready to go all in. So typically, you'll get out of prison, and you'll be off the yard before breakfast. Breakfast starts at about 6 or 6.30 a.m. after that initial shift change where new officers show up and the ones who are there all night go home. The morning that I was set to leave, nobody called my name. I had all my belongings. I was up early, pacing, anticipating getting out, and nobody called my name. And for a split second, I thought, oh my gosh, is this one of those worst case scenarios where you end up being detained longer? They messed up your release date. You're going to do more time in prison than you thought. I had a million different things racing through my mind. But they were just late. And they eventually called me to the gate that takes you from the prison yard up to the front of the prison where you get your dress out clothes and then you meet with your family or whoever's picking you up and you get to leave. But because we were late, I was stuck on the yard when they started releasing the buildings for chow. So they were late. That means I was on the prison yard as they started releasing the inmates to go to breakfast. And at first I was thinking this was a negative thing because the last thing the guys in prison want to see is somebody going home. Usually they're resentful. Usually, you know, it's not something that is pleasant. You see another man going home and you still have 10, 20, or 30 years in prison. And for some guys, they get spiteful. So I was wondering if they were going to say anything to me or if I was going to be met with some mean looks, maybe even some remarks and comments. And as these men started to walk around, the track towards the chow hall, all of a sudden, off in the distance, I heard someone yell something towards me. Captain America, go get him, brother. They used to call me Captain America in prison because I had no tattoos. I worked out every day and I had long blonde hair. 
And as these guys started coming out of the building, you know, building by building, thousands of men walked by me. I heard more positive remarks, you know, more comments of, go get them, Crane. We know you're going to crush it out there. So many positive remarks were sent to me. I was just taken back. And a lot of these men I had never even talked to. Some of them I didn't even know who they were. And it just showed me how important our daily actions are to inspire those around us. Even in a setting like prison, two things stood out to me the most that day. It's our attitude and our effort. People are always paying attention and they're either inspired to be like us or not to be like us. That's something that you listeners have to take into consideration. Are you raising children? Are you running a business? Do you have employees? Who are the people around you every day that are looking to your behavior, that are either looking up to you or they're looking at you thinking, man, I don't want to be like John. Damn, I don't want to be grumpy like Steve. Damn, Tim, look at that guy. He's fat, he's lazy, he's drinking all the time. You know, are you showing up every day with the right attitude and giving maximal effort in your life? I did for five and a half years in prison and everybody noticed it. And most of these guys never said a word to me until that final day. But I know that I inspired those men. I know that the way that I live my life got them thinking about the way they were living theirs. And I hope that some of those men changed their life because of the way that I was living mine. And we have to recognize this going into your day-to-day life, your routine, your job, your family, your career, whatever you're doing, people are watching you. Always lead by example with your attitude and your effort. And I guarantee it's going to move you forward in life. When I got out of prison, I'll never forget that moment putting on my dress outs. I had Nike shorts, Nike shoes, putting on some socks, a regular shirt. It's the little things, man. Putting on a pair of clothes after five and a half years of wearing jumpsuits and prison blues. That was something special to me. And then they put me in a van and drove me outside the prison perimeter where I saw my brother and my sister awaiting me. And I was out in the desert, in the middle of the Mojave Desert, in the middle of nowhere. And it was early morning and the sun was coming up. And the whole desert landscape was just vibrant with these colors. Man, they stood out to me. They blinded me. They opened that van door. And I remember just stepping out, looking up at the sky. And I just let out a howl, man. I just let out this big scream. It was my freedom call. I was back. And I went up and I hugged my brother and my sister. And I'll never forget that moment because I had been staring at stainless steel, concrete cement for so long that all of those colors just stood out to me. And I just felt so much differently, reemerged in society, back reconnected with my family. It was all different this time, and I could feel it. And we jumped in the car, and we started driving towards Huntington Beach. It was about a two-hour drive. And for the first 30 minutes, I had half my body out of my sister's sunroof in her car, just screaming, screaming, pure tears of joy streaming my face, letting out all that emotion that had been pent up inside of me for those 2007 days. That was me reconnecting, man, with the outside world. And it was just symbolic of all that I had been through. And it was symbolic of the challenge that lay in front of me. You see, getting out of prison isn't as pleasant as you might think. Initially, you're excited and there's a lot of apprehension, but there's also a lot of fear and doubt and all those negative emotions. They corrupt a lot of individuals when they get out and they go back to their old lives. They go back to their old neighborhoods. They go back to doing what they did before because it's what was known to them. For me, I had a calling in my heart. I had a vision that had just been materializing every day in prison. I knew what I was going to do, but it wasn't easy. And I remember that first 
72 hours being out, I was met with anxiety, with doubt, with fear, with apprehension. That transition from prison back into this fast-paced world where everyone's moving so quickly, everyone's distracted. You have cell phones, laptops, cars were just driving fast on the freeway. It was a lot to take in. So I took it easy. That first day, all I wanted to do was go see the ocean. And we drove to Huntington Beach. And I'll never forget, the waves were about 10 feet tall at the pier. And my brother and I found a little shack that rented out surfboards. And we went out and surfed. And I hadn't been in the ocean in over five years. And I paddled out with my brother. And I'll, I'll never forget that first wave I paddled into, standing up, that energy just th surging through my body as I peeled down the face of an eight, nine-foot tall wave. It was the most alive I had felt in a long time. That energy of the ocean was palpable. And it was just incredible to be back out there. Here I was, hours removed from a negative, dark environment of the prison world. And now I'm surfing underneath the sunshine, the beautiful California sunshine, the mist of these ocean waves spraying in my face. It was incredible. And these words don't even begin to describe what I was experiencing internally. After I spent the next day in Huntington Beach with my brother and my sister, I made my way back to Ojai, California, where I was going to be staying. My uncle Mark, who I had worked with previously in his tree company, and my Aunt Kim let me stay on their property in a trailer. But I got out of prison, and I literally had $200 that the prison gave me when I left, and nothing else. I had the dress outs that my brother had brought me that I was wearing, nothing else. I was staying in a trailer, no car, no material items. I had no driver's license. I literally had nothing. I was rebuilding my life. And I remember I was daunted at first, but I wasn't looking at it as a negative thing. I knew that it was a test and a challenge, and I was determined to overcome it. And so I was staying in that trailer, and I remember I was having trouble sleeping at night. I'd get up, and I'd just stand outside and look at the stars and the moon. I'd feel the wind on my body. All these little things that we take for granted in life now, I was just soaking them up. I went snowboarding with my cousin. You know, I went skydiving. I was doing all these things that I had dreamt or envisioned doing while I was in prison. I just wanted to get out and live life and just be all in. I wanted to experience what it would like to be all in. That's what I've done every moment since I came home from prison. For me, it started before I got out. It started with my daily routines, that internal battle, all the stuff I've shared with you previously. It made me coming home from prison and chasing my dreams feasible. Had I not utilized that time in prison to my advantage, I would have got out and the fear and doubt would have destroyed my ambition. But I knew I could fight through it. I had just gone through five and a half years in prison and this was my second chance. I knew I wanted to come home and make an impact on this world. I knew I had a message that people could find value in and it could also help them change their lives and live lives of meaning and purpose just like I was starting to do. But where was I gonna start? That was my biggest question. Where was I gonna start sharing my message? Who was I gonna share my message with? You know, there was a lot of unknowns for me. I was really close to going back to school and pursuing a master's degree so that I could become a counselor and work with at-risk youth. I thought that maybe if I could work with kids and you know, work in a treatment center or as a therapist, I could start helping people. By this point, I wasn't ready to go back to college. In fact, I was gonna have to wait about six months before I could be enrolled because of the timing. Uh, it was the end of the spring semester. I would have had to wait all through summer and then until the next year around September. 
And I didn't want to wait that long. I was ready to take action right now, like that moment. I knew I had a heart to serve and I wanted to help people. I just didn't know what that looked like. Mind you, my uncle Mark has a tree service that does very well in our area. He's known in Santa Barbara as having the best company. And he gave me an opportunity to work with him and to start to take over the company. I had an opportunity. I could have taken back my old job. I could have lived a clean, sober life. I could have met a woman, had kids, and just kind of coasted off into the sunset. But to me, that represented settling. To me, that represented the easy route. To me, that wasn't in alignment with what my heart was calling me to do. So it didn't matter if there was money waiting for me or an opportunity in an established business and company that even had my uncle's name on it. That wasn't what my heart was calling me to do. And something you need to recognize, if you're just settling or doing things out of convenience or because it represents safety and security, you're never going to be fulfilled in life. The most fulfillment, the most purpose you'll ever experience comes from you pursuing that truth in your heart and being courageous enough to face your fears and the adversity that comes your way every step of the way. It's exhilarating. It's exciting. That's what's going to bring you to life, not settling. Settling kills your spirit. Settling kills your ambition. Settling's going to dull you. I want to show up every day and get sharpened. I'm going to face my adversity. I'm going to grow through my trials. I'm going to face my hardships and learn from them every step of the way. And I'm never going to stop pursuing the calling in my heart. The first month I was out of prison, I worked with my Uncle Mark. I knew I had to make a little money and start figuring out a way to get back on my feet. But every day I was at my old job, I hated what I was doing. I knew that every day that passed me by, was a lost day that I'll never get back. And I couldn't stand the fact that I was doing something I didn't love. I had just spent so much time in prison. I had made a promise to myself when I was incarcerated that I was gonna do what I loved every single day when I got out. And every day that I was doing tree work, I felt like I was going in the opposite direction of my dreams, of my vision, and of that truth that I felt in my heart. So I remember one day, I was going through my old contacts, trying to figure out what I was gonna do to get my foot in the door, somewhere, anywhere. I just needed an opportunity. And I came across TJ Fortuna. He was a childhood friend who I knew was working as a personal trainer. And I decided to call him just to see what he was doing in his life, what his business was like, and maybe if he had an opportunity for me to come work with him or if he knew of some gym, somewhere that I could start training out of. And I'll never forget, TJ gave me an opportunity to come meet him and start training some clients that he had. He told me, he was doing personal training back in Santa Barbara, where I'm from, and he had enough clients that he could let me basically train some of them and work under him. This was my opportunity. I knew that me going back to Santa Barbara, starting to work with clients, represented me moving into the fitness industry or doing some type of coaching, something that I wanted to do in my future. And I knew this was the first step. But I wasn't certified. You know, I had a lot of knowledge and experience pertaining to fitness, nutrition. When I was in prison, I read every book I could get my hands on related to fitness and nutrition. I worked out every day. I trained other guys. I got them in shape so I knew I could help people. But he wanted me to get certified. And so that weekend, I actually broke my shoulder snowboarding with my cousin. He took me up to Mammoth. We were snowboarding. And the last run of the day, I got too ambitious and went over some rocks and somersaulted forward and smashed my shoulder on a boulder and literally broke my scapula in half. 
So now I was laid up in my trailer in a sling. I'm in pain every day. My arm and shoulder are killing me. I can't do anything for work. I can't make any money. And so this opportunity to work with TJ presented itself in a very timely manner. So I remember I locked myself in my aunt and uncle's little office area for the next week, week and a half. And I took all the tests. I got certified. Uh, I passed everything that was required to become a certified personal trainer. And then I called TJ and said, man, I'm ready. I got certified. My shoulder's been broke, but I could still train clients. Like, what's going on? You still got that job for me? And he said, yeah, man, come in on Monday. We're going to introduce you to the gym owner, and we're going to start you training clients, man. And that weekend, wildfires broke out in Southern California. And the little town of Ojai where I was staying in my aunt and uncle's trailer almost burned down. We had to evacuate, and for the next two weeks, we were staying in Airbnbs. We were displaced. It was crazy. This is only a month, maybe a month and a half after me getting out of prison. Now I have nowhere to stay. I literally have all my belongings in a duffel bag. I have no money. And I'm just thinking to myself, man, this isn't the way it was supposed to be. I thought I was going to come home and it was going to be a lot easier. But that's not how life is, you guys. If you think that things are just going to be handed to you, if you think that things are always going to go smoothly and that's the only time that you're going to really be able to achieve your goals in life, you're mistaken. Usually it comes in the face of adversity and you figure out a way to overcome these challenges and you make it happen. You see, I had to live a different life. I had to achieve my goals. I had to be successful. I wanted it as bad as I want to breathe this air just to get another moment of life. That was my mindset getting out of prison. I almost lost everything. I wasn't going to let anything stop me now. Not a broken shoulder, not living in a trailer, not the fact that I had no money, not the fact that I had no job. I was going to find a way. No matter what, that was my mentality. And if you don't have that mentality going into your life every day, you're going to get crushed. Adversity, challenges, struggle, your own mental state, your own fears, your own doubts, they're going to crush you. You have to develop that warrior spirit and that warrior mentality every single day through your actions. And that's what I was doing. I remember two weeks after the fires burned everything down in Ojai and we were displaced, a random occurrence in Southern California. It rained. It never rains in Southern California, but it just so happened torrential rainstorms came through and there was these mudslides everywhere, all, all over our area. Uh, in Ojai, we were pretty much just socked into this little uh, area where we could get in and out. There was only one road to use. We couldn't get up to my aunt and uncle's property because mudslides covered the highway up there. And the US 101 from Ventura all the way up into Gleed and Santa Barbara was shut down. Mudslides had gone through Montecito and shut down the US 101 freeway. They had destroyed homes. People lost their lives. It was all over the news. It was horrific. And here I am, this guy that just got out of prison with these big, massive goals and dreams, thinking, what am I going to do now? How am I going to get to Goleta? How am I going to start getting control of my life? I couldn't even drive there. The mudslides shut down the freeway, and now I had a new job waiting for me that Monday, but I had no way to get into town. And that's when I started going back through my contacts again. And I remember my friend from childhood, Nick Carver, he had become a pilot and he was flying a little single engine Cessna and he had taken me out in it flying a couple times. And just by chance, I decided to call him. And I called him and I said, hey man, you still flying that little plane? He said, yeah, a matter of fact, I've been shuttling people back and forth 
from Ventura County to Santa Barbara County because of these mudslides. And I said, no shit. Well, guess what? I need to get to Santa Barbara. I just got out of prison a couple months ago, but I have an opportunity for me in Santa Barbara to start working. I have no way to get there. The freeways are shut down. Can you help me out? And he told me, yeah, on Monday morning, I'm actually picking up my boss who works at the Encanto, which is a really prominent hotel in Santa Barbara, and I'm flying him into Santa Barbara from Camarillo Airport, which is in Ventura County. So I asked him if I could get a ride. He said, yeah, meet me down there at 7 a.m. and I'll bring you back to Santa Barbara. So I remember that, that weekend, I packed up all my stuff. I didn't have much. I probably had five different pairs of clothing. I threw them all in a duffel bag, some books that I had, and I had about $700 to my name. And I left that trailer. I told my aunt and uncle, thank you for everything, but I got to go chase my vision. I'm out of here. And on Monday morning, I went down to the airport and I jumped in this little plane. And as we're flying over the Pacific Ocean, looking down at these mudslides covering the US 101 North, he asked me, so what's your plan, man? What are you going to do when you get to Santa Barbara? And I said, well, I got to go meet TJ at this gym. I got to meet the owner of the gym and see if he's going to let me work there. And then from that, I don't know, man, I'm just taking action. And he looked at me almost like I was crazy. He said, you don't have anywhere to live? I said, no, man, I have nowhere to live. I don't know. I'm just going to make it happen. I got to do this. So we got down into Santa Barbara and I went right to the gym and I met TJ and I talked to the owner of the gym for about 20 minutes and I was just honest with him. I said, yeah, I've been to prison. I told him the story. I told him how motivated I was to live a better life and he could see the look in my eyes. He could hear my tonality. He knew that I was passionate. He knew that I was motivated and he saw something in me that made him want to give me my second chance. So despite the fact that I was a felon, despite the fact that my picture was on the front page of the news press in our local town, he was willing to let me train clients out of his gym. And I'll never forget the opportunity that he gave me. That was my first step getting into the fitness industry and the coaching and personal development space as well. So now I had a place to train out of. The next day, I had a client that was going to be waiting for me at 530. The owner of the gym gave me the okay. TJ was setting me up with clients and now I was on his payroll. I had a job that represented my future. It was the first step in me getting back on my feet and moving towards my goals and my vision. So then I went to my friend Nick's dad's house and I met him and he had a room for rent and he said that I could have it. And I literally gave him all my money. I had $700. That was my month's rent right there. And now I had a job and a place to stay, but I had no car. And my Uncle Mark, who I had just left his property, he had a mechanic in Santa Barbara. He said, when you get there, go talk to Jim, my mechanic. Maybe he has a car you can use. Because at this point, I had no transportation. And so I went over to his, his junkyard, basically, where he worked on old cars. He fixed them up. He sold them. And he had a bunch of cars that he was selling. But obviously, I had no money. So I was trying to find something that he would basically let me borrow. He only had one car that he was willing to part ways with, and he showed it to me. It was a Honda Civic, and the whole rear end was just completely smashed in. Like, there was no trunk. You couldn't even sit in the back seats. And when I say this car was just hideous, you, you, you don't even understand. Like, you don't want to be seen driving this car around town. Um, it looked like it would barely run, like it would just blow up any second. But he was willing to let me use it for two weeks until I could make some money and find something else. So I said, man, I'll take it. I'll take it. And so the next morning, I was at the gym at 445. 
I parked my car around the corner so nobody would see what I was driving, but I was in that gym ready to train my first client. And here I was just two months getting out of prison after five and a half years. I had a job in the industry that represented my future and what I wanted to do. I had a place to stay and I had transportation. And from that moment forward, I never looked back. I had so many reasons I could have quit and gave up along the way. I had a nice cushy job waiting for me where I could have helped my uncle manage his company and take over one day. I could have settled. I could have played it safe. I could have sought out safety and comfort. But in my heart, I knew I would have regretted that decision for the rest of my life. And I know the pain of regret. I sat in my pain for the regret and the decisions I made prior to prison for 2,000 days. There was no way in hell I was going to do that to myself again. So my mindset getting out of prison was whatever it takes, I'm all in. The man who refuses to quit will not be stopped. Are you that man or are you the one that's seeking out comfort and settling for a life below his potential? Trust me, you're going to regret that choice one day. I hope this episode has inspired you to reflect upon your journey. And I just want you to know that no matter where you are in life right now, you can make a decision to change. I don't care if you're 40 or 50 and you've been in the same job for 10 or 20 years. I don't care what you've done prior to listening to this episode. If there's a calling in your heart about who you want to be and what you want to do, you can make a choice right now to start pursuing that vision and living in alignment with that man. And that's where your fulfillment will stem from, not from settling for something less than you're capable. Thanks for checking out the episode. Please make sure to subscribe from whatever platform you're tuning in from to check out more content from Unstoppable Mindset in the future. I'd love it if you could leave a review as well and make sure to share this episode with someone that can find value in this message. You can find me on all major social media platforms at Shawn Michael Crane, as well as on YouTube at Unstoppable Mindset, where I'm gonna keep bringing you value and fire to serve you in your life.